0: You're listening to the Dear Baseball Gods podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this show, you'll learn advanced concepts in baseball explained simply. I'm here to guide you on your baseball journey and help you paddle through what's now an ocean of misinformation, guruism, and overly technical diamond babble. Hey, welcome back to Dear Baseball Gods. This is Dan Blewett. So today we're gonna cover three pretty interesting topics. Number one, should you take a gap year as a young athlete who's headed off to college uh, next season, which this is something that we've really never talked about before, but it's uh, a question recently posed to me. So I want to cover that a little bit today in our 92nd mindset uh, segment. We're going to cover sports drinks and whether these are actually necessary and healthy things. And then in our final question, we're going to cover. Whether changing your timing as a pitcher. So like different speeds of leg kicks, pausing different stuff like that, which you see a little bit more in major league baseball today, whether or not that's a good thing. So let's start with uh, taking a gap here. So obviously with coronavirus, this is such a weird, unprecedented time. And there might not be baseball at a lot of college. I think it's still up in the air. And I know there's some colleges that have said, Hey, we're not doing fall sports. Or we're not doing sports at all in 2020 slash 2021 seasons. So this is obviously really concerning and it's an interesting time. Um, I appreciate Jason. You asking me this question, but, um, Jason's a kid I've known for a long time. He's, uh, he's graduated. He, he committed to a college for an extra season. And, uh, so he was asking me this and I said, um. I think it could be a fine idea and actually it's really coincides with the book. So my last episode, I talked about, um, anti-fragility, which is the idea that, um, humans get stronger and more resilient when exposed to stresses and tough times and tough situations and stuff like that. And, um, in this book that I've recently been reading, I just finished called the coddling of the American mind. They talk about something that's really interesting, which is that. Young people today, because of their interactions with screens and because of uh, more online relationships, like they're texting and they're snapchatting and doing all this other stuff, they're more complacent with reaching personal milestones and not really like, like goals, but more just like the big personal milestones that sort of define lives, right? Your first girlfriend, your first job, your first boyfriend, um, you know, having sex, those are big, like life milestones. And they said kids today are having are reaching those mile, those milestones two to three years later than kids from like the previous generation, just from like 10 years ago. So they said when you start to look at emotional maturity and life experiences and perhaps their resilience to adversity and, and the real world, you know, the harshness of the real world, that sending a kid off to college at 18 today might be like sending a 16-year-old off to college, which we know, I, well, I don't know if we know, but... I think we could all assume that 16 year olds are going to be a lot less successful emotionally and interpersonally in college than an 18 year old. So the idea in, in with that as part of it, the idea of a gap year when you might not be able to play college baseball or the experience might be greatly diminished and it might not be worth wasting your year of eligibility. It might make a lot more sense, especially if it's really uncertain. Like I don't really have a good college that's going to fit me then it probably does make sense to just take the year off, you know, get a job. If you can, you know, that's also easier said than done in this climate and, um, do some things to grow as a person. It might make a lot of sense. Now we do know that athletes have a finite career. They have a ticking clock. So when the major league baseball draft comes around, if you're 20 versus 21, there's more money coming your way. And you essentially need to be in the big leagues by 26, 27. And, uh, obviously the younger, the player can get to the big leagues, the better. So your value as an athlete is directly tied to your age. That's something we can't ignore and get away from. And so giving away a year where it pushes your, all that stuff back, that definitely has some implications. Now, if you're going to do a gap year and then go junior college for two years, then it maybe doesn't actually put your career back any, because after three years, which you can't be drafted until you're th- after your junior and, in a four-year school, you know, you could do a gap year and go two years at a junior college and you're at that same three-year output and you're 21 and you can go into the draft and so be it. So those are some of the pros and cons to think about. There's certainly no right answer for everyone. It's an incredibly complex time where. Again, everyone's situation is different. You might have a college where you're committed and you're, they're going to play next year and you're good to go, or it could be uncertain, or it could be already canceled we don't you know, it's like I said, it's highly variable, so, but interpersonally it's only one year. It's one of your younger years, um, you know, taking a gap year at, if you're a junior right now and you're trying to go back to school and you're thinking of taking a gap year, that thing that's much riskier considering draft implications and you're aging in college baseball but if you're leaving high school you know i think it probably makes a lot more sense where it may be a reasonable choice even if you haven't um started your college career yet so yeah it's a really interesting thing to think about i don't have a firm answer but the pros and cons um i hope we talk through a, a decent amount of it today and it's i think just a big family decision i think the emotional maturity of the athlete definitely matters and also their training stability matters too so the last thing i touched on is just that Do you have a good place to train and get better? Can you find a summer team to play on? Like you still need to play baseball for that year, but you don't have to burn a a year of eligibility doing it. So I think that's the the bigger picture. So if you feel like, yep, I can definitely play baseball, you know, for six months out of the year, I can definitely have a a good coach, a good strength coach, I can continue to work on my pitching or my hitting or whatever it is, and actually have a productive 12 months, then I don't think you probably lose that much. Because the other thing to remember is that sometimes as a freshman, you don't play very much at all, especially at a D one school. So if it's, if that's the situation or, you know, obviously at junior colleges or smaller schools, you're much more likely to play right off the bat. But if you have some stability and you have the ability to keep playing and get better, then gap year might not be a bad choice. All right. So for today's 90 second mindset, let's talk a little bit about The things we consume as athletes on the field so obviously gatorade and powerade and um, all these sports drinks are very prevalent but as we start to talk about long-term health and what you need and don't need as an athlete i think it becomes a little more clear that some of those beverages are really more just like soda they're really just more like candy so as a parent i think the thing to remember is that your kids don't typically need electrolytes, this is like the big selling point. But the thing most nutritionists push back on and the things that these big companies won't really tell you is that the American diet, there's tons and tons and tons of salt and because we eat like all processed foods, right? Uh, you get plenty of electrolytes in your regular diet, or you're not really going to sweat them out to zero in, in a given game. Now, if you're playing a doubleheader and you're gonna be out in the sun for six, eight hours then sure, um, a little bit of Gatorade probably goes a long way, but the idea that you're going to send your kid to the field with four 32 ounce Gatorades or four 20 ounce Gatorades where they're packing in tons and tons of sugar and, you know, these electrolytes, which are made out to be these really meaningful, but ultimately not that meaningful, um, substances. It's probably not in their best interest. What most people do at higher levels is they tend to make their own And really what they ended up doing is just like cutting. So they'll take maybe a 32 ounce Gatorade and they'll mix that with water. So they'll, you know, pour a 32 ounce Gatorade into an empty one and they'll have half, they will basically just dilute it by half. And that's what a lot of people recommend. There's just too much sugar in a regular Gatorade and the electrolytes are okay. Like they're fine, but you shouldn't be seeking out sports drinks with their really high sugar content, just because you're getting electrolytes. I mean, you can buy electrolyte tablets, which don't taste good. They're salty and gross um but they serve the purpose with no extra sugar added and especially if your athlete is at risk or if he's a little huskier and he's um when i said at risk i meant at risk of gaining bad weight because everyone's body's different then this probably isn't something that they need you know most of the day um baseball often is not the most rigorous physical sport on a game to game basis. So if it's a four o'clock game, you're out there for two hours and maybe he's going to start, maybe he's not. Is Gatorade really what he needs? Probably not. Uh, water will typically get the job done. Diluted Gatorade will get the job done. So I highly recommend like the powdered mixes at, um, you know, at Costco or Sam's club or wherever, you know, give them at the grocery store or, or Walmart, but, um, you can just make it a little less strength, and I think that's um, a lower strength. I think that's an important thing to do. So, you know, long term, all these food choices have implications, you know, and you start to think about, okay, just because we're the, at the field doesn't mean we just throw out nutritional, um, a, a strong nutritional basis for what we're doing. Like you shouldn't be pounding candy and drinking sugar water constantly during a game. Now, if you're a cyclist and you're going on a two, you know, two hour bike ride, Gatorade's a lot more essential because you're going to burn up all those calories and you're going to need more. You know, we know that when you run a marathon, you physically only have enough stored energy in your muscle fibers to make it 20 miles. So to finish a marathon, you actually have to have, take like either you get some Gatorade in you or one of those gels. Um, you actually run out of gas physically and the glycogen is the muscle as those is stored glucose that's stored within your muscle fibers. That's what your body burns first. After that, it starts to burn, um, it burns blood sugar first, then it burns your glycogen, and then it starts to cannibalize muscle and fat um, and all that. So basically, just rethink what you're giving your kids at the field. Um, dilute Gatorade's great. Um, water is obviously ideal. They're probably not going to have any issues with electrolytes unless they have some sort of precondition. Now, if it's a long day at the field, a doubleheader, their food is still going to contain plenty of electrolytes. Or if they're going to eat between games, they're going to eat before a game. Remember there's electrolytes in all that food. So just be, um, just be cautious. Don't feel like you have to give them all these sugary beverages just to get through a game of baseball. All right, now it's time for our listener Q and a portion of the show questions from the pious pious means to be devoutly faithful. And if you're devout to the game of baseball, then you're exactly the kind of person I want to hear from. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, please email a voice recording to hello at dan it.com. All right. And today's question, um, was an email question and it was basically, Hey, my son has been mixing up his delivery as a pitcher and he's been doing pauses and slow leg kick and fast leg kick and quick pitch. He's been doing all these different things to throw off the timing of hitters and Um, is this a good thing for him to do? So in general, the answer is no. I do not recommend that young players do that because number one, most young players don't have the ability to command the strike zone nearly as well as they need to. So we're kind of pulling the cart before the horse when we're talking about varying a delivery that we can't even get stable in in the first place. So when you see certain pitchers in the big leagues, like Johnny Cueto was doing this, uh, Marcus Stroman does this, it's important to remember that these are guys that have been perfecting their delivery for 20 years, right? These are guys who are in their thirties. is closer to 40. So he's probably going on 30 years. These are guys who are incredibly stable in their delivery. That means their hand when they're releasing the ball is basically in the exact, almost the exact same place, plus or minus like two to four inches on every given pitch. So they have a really high level of precision in their delivery. So when they mix stuff up it's not going to be a big deal to them because a they're so stable and B they're world-class athletes. Every major leaguer is a world-class athlete, you know, baseball players sometimes get a bad rap and pitchers. Uh, but these are world-class incredible athletes. They have great body control. They can do lots of things that other people can't. So to use major leaguers as examples for young players there, it's always a double-edged sword. There's some stuff that they can do that they can do because they're freaks of nature and world-class athletes. That's just not going to be appropriate for your 12 year old. Who's just like, not that good of an athlete. So be cautious with this. This is not something that's necessary at their age. You don't have to throw off hitters timing to be successful at 12. u baseball at 14 u baseball at 16 u baseball. And if you have to do that to be successful, then you're just not that good. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news where if that's what you need to do to be successful, then your stuff isn't very good, you know? So the reality is that at any level of baseball below college you can be successful if you can command the strike zone, you know throw to the thirds of the plate reliably, throw a second pitch for strikes and maybe a third pitch for strikes some of the time. If you can do that stuff you're gonna find success. and if you have to do all these other different things to be successful at 18u baseball and below, then there's other problems that need to be fixed. like your slider just isn't good enough your curveball is just not good enough, your fastball is not good enough, your command's not good enough. So that's something to remember as well. If you feel like this is something that you have to do to have success, then a lot of stuff is also wrong. So now that given that being said, if your son's already doing this, he like he's been doing it and he doesn't have any adverse effects on his command. He's still throwing strikes despite mixing stuff up. He's as as whole as he was before as a pitcher, like nothing's, he's not losing anything. And this is just adding. Then I'd say, okay, you can, you can keep doing it. But for me as a coach, I would never recommend or let my players do it. Um, if someone was already doing it and was finding success with it, I'd say, okay. But I still would be very leery. And anytime I'd see mechanics slip or command slip or anything else slip from my estimation, then I'd be like, Hey, this experiment's done. Like we got to get back to basics and get back to fundamentals. And before we start doing all this tricky stuff, because again, if you're only successful with doing the tricky stuff and you can't be successful without it, then you don't have the foundation of pitch quality of command, all the other stuff that you need to really make it as far as you want in baseball. Well, that's it for today's episode of dear baseball gods. If you enjoy the show and would like to support me while improving your baseball IQ, buy one of my books, or enroll enrolled today in an online pitching course. Sign up for any of my courses through the links in the show notes and save 20% with code baseballgods just for being a listener. My online courses walk you through pitching mechanics, strategy, learning new pitches, and mental skills training. They're start to finish an amazing solution for pitchers, parents, and coaches who want step-by-step instruction. Pitching Isn't Complicated, My First Book is a thorough pitching manual with strategy, pitch grips, mechanics, mindset, routines, and other high-level pitching concepts. Not sure what your son is in for if he falls in love with the game? Dear Baseball Gods, the book is my memoir, a story of growing up in the game, persevering through injuries and setbacks, and struggling with identity when I finally had to clean out my locker. Buy a copy today via the links in the show notes, available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook if you just can't get enough of my voice. Be sure to subscribe to my weekly email list, where you'll get updates on all my new videos and episodes. Nearly 4,000 people get my emails, and you should too. Sign up through the link in the show notes. Lastly, who do you know who can use some good advice? Please share this podcast with a friend, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, where you'll find this podcast and hundreds of baseball instructional videos. As always, hustle and stay pious. I'm Dan Blewett, and I'll see you next time.